Welcome to episode number 48 of the Bearded Marketers podcast, the only internet marketing podcast that matters. I'm Rob. And I'm Corey. You can catch new episodes every Monday morning at thebeardedmarketers.com slash podcast. Of course, you can also find them on iTunes. We've got a great lineup of things to talk about. A lot of things about email. We're going to touch on a couple other topics as well. But before we get started into that... We're going to talk about what we're drinking. Both of us drinking out of copper mugs. It's oh, we're so fancy. <laughs> coincidentally tonight. So what are you doing tonight? Tonight I'm doing a Norfolk, which is equal parts cognac, vodka, vermouth. <sighs> Disgusting on its own. A little bit of lime and ginger beer, but quite tasty. It's a good drink. How about yourself? And I'm doing the classic drink that comes in a copper mug, a Moscow Mule. Basically Ooh. just vodka and ginger beer, a little bit of lime. Gosling's ginger beer. Of course, beer. Gosling's ginger beer Our is only corporate shout out for the episode. <laughs> exactly. Gosling's, please send us a crate of Gosling's ginger beer. That will beer. last us a week. And dark rum. All right. So, Corey, run us down. What are we talking tonight? I mean, I know it's mostly about email, but let's talk about so what else. So, it's email. So, since we're going to be talking about it so much, we'll spell it out. E-M-A-I-L. That, that was not how you spell it, but I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> I've had enough to drink where I actually did question myself for a second. So <laughs> we're going to be talking about Google unsubscribe and some changes related to that. Your recent trip out to Vegas, you, where you, you won it big at the email summit hosted by Sherpa. Video and email, a recent example at some high profile exposure, which we'll talk a little bit more about that. Moving right along, we're going to be discussing some changes in Google places that people should be aware of and creating and maintaining those. And lastly, some updates that Bing has rolled out and their guidelines for how websites should conduct themselves online and things that you need to keep aware of so you don't get the old boot from the Yahoo this, and Bing index. Right, the search engines that no one uses. I think it's like 16 or 17 percent. I'm surprised it's still that high. It's like a All tip. right. <laughs> yeah. So so what are we what are we talking about at the top of the email list tonight? So one of the things that had people anytime Google does anything, people go screaming in the night and is, I think Right, which is why we have a, a weekly Google sure, corner sure. where we t- cover everything Google. But recently one of the changes that they have discussed is having a dedicated unsubscribe button now on their platform, which I have to say is actually a little bit behind. There are already some bigger platforms out there that offer that, like Outlook, depending on what version you have, actually has an unsubscribe button directly integrated in there. I know Hotmail has one as well. I don't know how many people actually use Hotmail anymore, but back in the day, it used to be the jam. I was actually surprised how many people did not know that Google already had some sort of unsubscribe built into it. So if you didn't know, in Gmail, when you mark something as spam, It pops up a diagnostic window to not only did you want to mark this as spam, but did you also want to mark it as spam and unsubscribe from the Mm -hmm. list? So they already did have this sort of quasi option available, but was masked a little bit differently. But now what they're saying is... There's going to be a dedicated unsubscribe button on all emails. So I think what's going to happen as a result of this is just going to be the all-stars of email are just going to make themselves better well-known. I mean, it's going to be a good gauge on quality now that it's become easier for people just to unsubscribe from your list. I think that every email that you have to send out even more so than in the past, especially for this segment, is going to have to come under the magnifying glass of, is this a really relevant email? Do we really need to be sending this out? Is there some tweaks that we need to make? Is this fluffy email that's going to potentially spike our unsubscribe right now, especially for this Gmail segment, because it's so easy? 
I think, number one, the people that write really well thought out emails are going to become even more valuable. But I think it's also going to make us a little bit more critical of the emails that we send out if we want to keep our ratios looking good. Yeah, I think it's going to hurt all of these, sort of like you were saying, the people who aren't already sending out the emails that are done well, meaning, you know, we built our list properly. We do have the one click unsubscribe link at the bottom of the email, which, you know, incidentally enough, I thought was a requirement, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. from can spam, but most large companies don't actually have that. Mm-hmm. They do have an unsubscribe link, but they make you then select the lists you want to unsubscribe right. from on the next link and all this other stuff, which I don't think is sort of Legal. allowed. Right. We do on the Bearded Marketers list. You know, we have the one-click unsubscribe. Not that people use that because they love our emails. <laughs> right. No one has unsubscribed. <laughs> you say that. But yeah, I think I think the guys who are doing it right, this isn't going to hurt them at all. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to hurt the guys who are trying to sort of hide that unsubscribe link, who are trying to spam you to death with a bunch of offers that you don't really find relevant. I think it's what it's going to do is sort of be the workaround that people... I ignored your emails all the time anyway, but now there's just an easy unsubscribe link sure. and I'm just going to get rid of it. And so Gmail's going to block it and it's also going to hip at that unsubscribe to whatever ESP you're working with. So it's definitely a good step in the right direction. Like you said, all the other platforms were already doing this anyway. So mm-hmm. Gmail finally stepped its game up and, and got on board. From what the people in the industry that I've talked to, the, the ones that actually take the time and have a good email program aren't really worried about it that much. And like you said, if you keep up your quality, you're really analyzing each and every email that you send and you're going through your right paces. It really shouldn't be that big of an issue. But if you're lazy, then it could actually impact you. So keep that in mind. Moving right along. All right. So it's story time. What <laughs> awesome things happen? So for those that don't remember from last episode or new, first of all, welcome. We love having you here. Yes. If you enjoy yourself, please leave us a review on iTunes. It'd be greatly appreciated. But last week, Rob went out to Las Vegas to Marketing Sherpa's email summit had a grand old time. So why don't you give us a little recap of some of the things that you learned? What are some of the hot topics in the email world? And how can we all become millionaires? Yeah, now? absolutely. So for those of you who do not follow us on Twitter, I would suggest you do that, especially if you go to any of the events, because both of us do show up randomly at some events sometimes. I'm going to be at the Adobe summit right so right and we tweet that out on our account so if you happen to go to some events you may find out that we're there and you know hey talk to us we'll buy you a drink and we'll talk about internet marketing anyway so i was at marketing sherpa's email summit in sunny las vegas wonderful weather there uh especially this last week it was sunny it was warm and then we come back here to terrible weather here in jacksonville but basically they just covered a lot of the topics that are going on in email marketing today some of the key things like design for mobile a lot of key takeaways from some people from litmus were there i highly recommend you know checking out litmus's blog if you're really interested in email design and and especially about email design for mobile websites Mm -hmm. But one of the key things I took away was the fact that, you know, video is sort of a possibility in email, and it's not something I don't think I've ever seen from someone else. It's it's certainly not something that people talk about very often, but there are a few providers that will allow you to basically embed videos inside emails directly. There are a ton of caveats involved with that. There are many platforms that do not accept it. Gmail actually being surprisingly one of the few that will not let you play videos inside their browser. I think Outlook is another huge one that does not allow this to happen. Yeah, they're pretty strict on the security side of things. Right, so but a lot of other sense. right, a lot of other browsers, you know, you can embed a video inside emails you send to people. And videos are huge these days, especially sales ones. People love seeing those videos. It's different kinds of content. People are starting to tune out the plain text emails. People are even starting to tune out just the plain image ones. 
Video is a way to really grab people's attention. It's a little pricey right now. It's new technology. You know, like I said, not a lot of browsers are able to play it right now. But it's interesting because if the browser itself or whatever client they're using to read the email is not capable of playing the video, it tends to fall back pretty gracefully and that it'll try to then play an animated GIF. And if it can't do that, it'll just show a preview picture of your video, which then users can click on and play the video inside a browser. So it fails gracefully. I think there's probably a lot of upside there. And if you tend to send out a lot of videos in your emails, I think it's definitely something you want to check out with. I don't want to name any names on here. Just do a Google search because I haven't vetted any of these companies. Sure. And I don't want to recommend anyone I haven't used myself. So do a Google search, maybe test it on your own. Definitely something to look into. Yeah, I think it, what would be interesting with those companies, hopefully they've thought this through, is I would imagine that device detection should be something that they should be chiefly concerned about. I think video and email definitely sets you apart as long as you're making good videos, which if you haven't checked out our newer videos, Rob has put in some serious time in producing some great videos to so check those out in our video page. But again, that can really help you set you apart in your emails. But uh, I think that mobile might present some unique challenges to that where you might want to have separate creatives that you would send mm -hmm. to a mobile crowd. So how it might detect what device is being viewed on it, or maybe it just brings in segmentation that you already have. This user typically opens on an iPhone, so maybe we want to skip them for a video targeting, uh, or just something to test into, and that might be something interesting to ask those providers and think about. Yeah, and I think that's primarily what you pay for is their mm. robust device detection gotcha. uh, sort of back end. So that's primarily what you're paying for there. Obviously the the default fallbacks and everything, but you're really paying for, you know, what is this person playing on and, and is it capable of displaying video and animated GIFs or what have you? And then, you know, delivering that right kind of content for those people. So another interesting thing I saw this week, sort of absolutely related to video and email is the new House of Cards season premiere. For those of you who are not familiar, House of Cards is an amazing show on Netflix. And their season two has just premiered recently. They've been sending out a lot of promotional emails about that. I've also seen commercials online and all sorts of stuff. So, but one of the key things I've noticed, and this is something I haven't seen with a lot of emails is an animated GIF as a primary thing. And it almost appeared as if it was a video that you are watching. Very so, high quality. Yeah, exactly. Very high quality. Um, some taglines, you know, flew in and the character's face turned and faced you and, and they said something. So really good twist on, you know, video is not really a viable option for a lot of people, especially mass send out email from like a Netflix. Right. We'll so actually they just, tweet out a vine of it so we can actually show them a recording of what the emails actually Okay. Doing. Yeah. Yeah. We can absolutely do that. Animated GIFs, though, I mean, are played by most email sure. clients. Mm -hmm. I think Outlook 2007 is the only one out of all of them that will not do an animated GIF. So for those who maybe don't want to play, pay for that um, video email platform, um, animated GIFs are a great way to get sure. around that and sort of show some of that similar content. Yeah, just be mindful of with GIFs, you can quickly get to a very large image size. So you want to really analyze each and every asset that you're going to have in this image and try to get it down to a minimal size as possible for it to play smoothly. And you just want to be mindful of some of that, that your email doesn't take a long time to load and things like that. Yeah, that's one of those things that you would want to work directly with someone who has a lot of knowledge mm -hmm. of GIFs and who's technical minded. You don't want to use some, some sort of tool that'll convert a video directly to a GIF and just rely sure. on that because just like you said, you'll end up with a massive GIF that'll never download on someone's <laughs> phone anyway. So work with the technically minded person who knows the ins and outs of 
some yeah. of that technology. Definitely an interesting thing. You know, a lot of other things happening at Email Summit. A lot of interesting stuff about, you know, what kind of subject lines and what kind of content are people sending in emails. I don't want to give everything away, obviously. <laughs> you know, I learned a lot. I got to keep that <laughs> to myself. But if you're interested in what's going on in, in uh, the email marketing world, it's definitely something to check out. Marketing Sherpa's Email Summit. It's hosted, I think, every year in Las Vegas. So definitely they check it out. They used to alternate with Miami, but I think they've stopped that recently. Yeah, that's old school, man. That's, that's back <laughs> yeah, in the me. day. Yeah, so we, it's always in Vegas now. They have some great parties lined up, great sponsors. It's all around a, a really fun event to check out if you're in the email marketing world. Anyway, enough of the pitch of our friends are Marketing Sherpa. So some interesting things with email, pay attention to that. Litmus was the one that you said pay attention to in the mobile space. Yeah, absolutely. We talk Check about blog out. MailChimp's blog out a lot here. They're pretty mm. forward with a lot of good information. Constant Contact has some interesting things every once in a while. Exact Target uh, also has a, a very nice blog. Talks a little bit more about the um, more advanced things from email, about the segmentation, different technologies out there. How do you partner in with like feeds and get automatic drip campaigns? So there's a lot of resources out in the email space for you to pay attention to. But if you haven't thought about it, maybe check out Email Summit next time around. It's a good event with a lot of not just good vendors to talk to, but a lot of good keynotes. And you might even see Rob there and he'll buy you a drink. Absolutely. Remember that. So <laughs> moving right along, another update in the world of Google has been to their places guidelines. So if you're not familiar, Google places are essentially listings that you can have on their maps product or even through their google places product but it's chiefly used through maps and that's where you will search for a business in maps and it will pull up a listing with like images and user reviews and things like that and so the number one thing that got updated this week was their guidelines on how you need to title your google places directory listing the main thing that you need to keep in mind is your title in your Google Places listing has to actually mirror what your real company name is. You cannot get kind of fancy or maybe tying in some SEO title tag optimization tactics in there, like putting number one. So to give you some concrete examples, let's say you run a pizza delivery place. You can name your place like Joe's Pizza Restaurant, but you cannot get away with number one pizza in Seattle, Joe's Pizza Restaurant. Mm -hmm. And they've gotten much more stricter on that, which makes sense because, you know, people are going to abuse anything that's available to them. Um, but it has to mirror really closely what your actual business does. Now, they do allow you one descriptor phrase to help people understand what your business does. So if you are a restaurant, you can specify that you do pizza or that you are a delivery service, but you cannot get very greedy with using modifiers like number one, best reviewed. And even in their example, which I thought was pretty interesting, they, and I'm actually going to read it word for word. So if you go to the Google Places guidelines page, here are some examples that would be accepted. So Starbucks downtown, in that case, they're using downtown as the modifier to help people understand where the business is at. Joe's Pizza Restaurant, so pizza being the modifier there, that they're a restaurant, but they specialize in pizza. Some things that wouldn't be accepted, number one, Seattle Plumbing, Joe's Pizza Best Delivery, or Joe's Pizza Restaurant Dallas. So even when you get to two modifiers in that last example, Joe's Pizza Restaurant Dallas, Google will still reject that in that you are trying to use too many modifiers and essentially stuffing your title with 
too many things to try to gain your competition. So Hmm. keep those things in mind. I think Google Places is something that people do not pay enough attention to, especially depending on your business vertical. Google has served up these results more and more at the top of search engine results pages. So it can really give you a lot of SEO benefit to have a well-fleshed-out Google Places strategy, but make sure that you're actually following the guidelines because they will terminate your places or put it on suspension. So just be careful that you follow the guidelines. That that reminds me of a sort of similar thing that has happened with Yahoo's paid directory. So I think you pay $2.99, $3.99, something like that to get listed in there. The stipulations on that are, you know, the title or descriptor that you use has to be directly relevant to the actual name of your website. Ah. So you can't, you know, if you're a website that sells light bulbs online, you can't say number one light bulb online Mm -hmm. retail or something like that. Like it has to be directly based on the company name and or domain name that they're using. What ended up happening, though, was that a lot of the more unscrupulous people, I don't want to implicate my own personal self, but people that you know of, people would buy domain names that were sort of like started with one or whatever or zero or whatever, because those would rank the highest in the directory, Mm -hmm. which was ranked mostly alphabetically. So if you knew that Yahoo's directory ranked really highly for really relevant keyword search phrases in your niche... It was actually worth it to just pay $300 and get a bunch of domain names that started with zeros for a mile <laughs> long and were ranked really highly in Yahoo's directory uh, and steal traffic from them. It seems like a similar thing was sure. probably happening yeah. with, you know, with Google, obviously, but in the real world. So what may happen is you may run around uh, some restaurants that, you know, are titled number one best Seattle pizza delivery i don't know yeah (laughs) Yeah, because they want to rank highly in there right and i mean especially for some of the bigger metro areas and and we're using restaurants as an example but it can really be any sort of business because a lot of people search for services that are related to metro areas and even google actually recommends that type of search a lot when you when it does its predictive search results it'll suggest things like if i'm searching for plumbing you know a lot of times the first result will be plumbing in jacksonville Mm -hmm. and google's providing that so Places pages, like I said, can be a huge source of SEO traffic and having a well-vetted directory listing can be a big benefit for a lot of different businesses. But again, pay attention to their ever-changing guidelines that you don't get burned and your listing might get suspended because you're not following the rules. Yeah, um, And it can be tough because sometimes, as with a lot of Google products, you know, AdWords is very similar it's tough to know you're following the rules and sometimes your competition isn't. But just keep in mind that a burn from Google is not one that's easily fixed. So playing by the rules is kind of a long-term strategy. You might lose out some on the short term because your competitors aren't following along. But you can either report them if you want to do that. Or just know that there might become a day where they disappear altogether and then... It's all yours. It's all mine. Yeah, come on, man. It's like karma. Just just be a good guy. What, right. what goes around comes around. Those guys have it coming to them. Or you could just you know report them, like Corey said. Yeah, create a new email account and report. I, I don't know. I've never yeah. done that. <laughs> so wrapping things up, we wanted to touch on a, an SEO change that happened over the week that has people uh, kind of checking over their strategies. Bing, you know, we don't really talk about them much. I think you even made a crack about them this week about no one should really pay attention to them because it's not that much traffic. For some people, they find that they can dominate that niche a little bit more than Google. So for some people, they really do concentrate on the Bing and Yahoo sort of realm. 
But Bing in particular has released an update to their webmaster guidelines. And what they've talked about specifically is that they are going to start aggressively going after those that they feel like are keyword stuffing on their websites. So if you're not really familiar with SEO or what keyword stuffing is, there's been a long history of what keyword stuffing is. So back in the day when search engines weren't really that mature, a common tactic was that websites would have like white backgrounds, like many sites do today, and they would have white text behind that with a lot of keywords that they wanted to rank for. So let's say I run a cooking supply shop. So I would have all these keywords on my page all throughout, like cooking utensils, frying pans, things like that. And they were actually hidden from the people. Like you couldn't see them because it was white text on a white background. So that quickly got snuffed out. So then it became the way of let me write my copy so I'm stuffing in all these keywords and I just have a really high density in in my content to a point where it's really not that readable or it's not enjoyable to read because it's obvious that you're trying to stuff this keyword Mm -hmm. and sometimes it doesn't even flow very well. Well, that kind of got snubbed out by Google for a long time and And there's other ways to go about that. I won't belabor the point. But Bing and Yahoo have been slow on that train to pick up on some of the more recent tactics of keyword stuffing. And they've now announced they're going to get a lot more aggressive with their algorithms and potentially start removing people from their index that are habitual offenders. So take some time and analyze your SEO on site and take a look at, are you potentially doing some over keyword density throughout your site? Is it really that readable? Are you doing any common, I would say not above board tactics on your site to stuff in keywords like related searches or a common thing that a lot of sites do is have other terms on the bottom of some pages with related keywords or putting a lot of links on pages. Those can get you burned. There's a lot of SEO tools out there too, like Moz is one of them, but there's quite a few out there that will actually crawl your site and look at your keyword densities and if you're trying to stuff too much and give you some warnings. So it might be worth it to invest in some of those tools to help you identify some key offenders that you have. But keep that in mind. If you see some Bing mix up with your stats over the next couple weeks, it might be because you're suffering from some of these new policies and take a look at your site to make sure that you don't get burned. So that's going to do it for us this week. If you have any recommendations for topics for us to cover, give us a call 904-270-9603. Rob millions the phones day and night. Doesn't matter who he's in front of. If he gets a call on the red phone, hold on. I got a bearded marketer's call and he takes it. Um, But give us a call if you have a suggestion for a topic or something that you're struggling with. Maybe you're just really stressed out about it. You don't really know where to turn. Your boss is yelling at you. Give us a call. We got a lot of experience in the industry and we can probably point you in the right direction. But if we can't, we have a lot of contacts and we can probably put you in contact with someone that can. Yeah, we've actually had a lot of people. I think we've been thinking about trying to do some interviews on the show. We've had a lot of people recently reach out to us being interested in an interview. So for those listeners out there, you who don't have to have a beard to be interviewed. Aren't by aware the way. of that. We'll, you know, we'll force it you to helps. wear a fake beard um, <laughs> to qualify. But yeah, if you're if you have a sort of specialty that, you know, maybe we've talked about or maybe we haven't talked about at all on the show, definitely reach out to us. Maybe we can work you into our content schedule and do a short little interview on one of the shows. So reach out to us. This has, again, been another episode. If you enjoyed yourself, leave us a review on iTunes. We greatly appreciate it. But we'll see you next week.